This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. It's Voice of Change Time with myself, Lauren Jacobs, here on Radio K Pulpit. Welcome to Thursday afternoon. Welcome to the time where you are driving home and we want to get you home all safe and sound today. So you know what? It's going to be a good show. We're going to be talking about something that is really, really happening at the moment. And that is the military coup that's happening in Myanmar or Myanmar or Burma, as it is called as well. Last week, we know that Myanmar's military actually seized control of an entire country, which shocked everybody. We know that there were decades and decades and decades of military rule in Myanmar and it has been so shocking to see how the military has just seized control of the country and the reason they've done this is that there was a vote election that took place just the other day which saw the opposition party win by over 80% of the votes the military saying that you know what this election was fraudulent and you know this is not the case so we're just going to take over the country declare a year-long state of emergency also the opposition party leaders were actually put under house arrest and charged with different kinds of charges that were very as people said kind of made up charges but we know that the history in Myanmar anybody who is interested in history in the Southeast Asia area and who has been following Burma and Myanmar have really, this country has really been torn apart by decades and decades of military rule. And for decades, the country was just controlled by this fear and this brutality that happened. And six years ago, the Nobel Prize winner and former political prisoner, Aung San Suu Kyi, she was, she formed this government and she developed her national party, the League for Democracy. And it was an incredible time because people began to feel this hope again that something could happen for Myanmar and it did things have turned around the last 10 years itself has seen a lot of economic growth and it has seen a lot of investment into the country a lot of things have happened a lot of changes have taken place but now with these new elections and the start of their new political year when their parliament was supposed to be sitting the military decided it was going to have this coup and they have seized control of the country today i'm going to be joined by gina gar who is the icc international concern for christians for persecution as well as just international affairs human rights issues she is joining me today and she's the regional manager for the icc in the southeast asia area and she joined me to discuss you know what we should be thinking about the coup in Myanmar and now I know that maybe some of you are thinking wow how how do we think about this how should we see this well stay tuned to voice of change because although we are outside of the country it is so so important for us to talk about the international affairs that are happening that are pulling 
on the world's conscience. Everywhere you look now, you will see news and media briefs happening about Myanmar. We also are seeing tens of thousands of people taken to the street. And we also know that 4 million Christians are living in Burma and they have often been persecuted and often experienced most intense situations. Gina and I are going to be talking about that as well. As this new reality is hitting this country, we need to know what we can do about it and also, you know, how we should think in this time about what's happening. So stay tuned. Gina joins me after this. Gina, thank you so much for joining me here on Voice of Change today. It's going to be such a great show because I know that we are talking about the situation in Southeast Asia, particularly in Myanmar or Burma, as it's called. And it's going to be really, really good to share with the listeners exactly what's going on, but also a lot of things that they actually need to know that's happening a lot in Myanmar besides what we just see now. So welcome to Voice of Change today. Thank you, Lauren, for having me. It's a great pleasure for me to be able to speak with you all. Yeah, it's just so good, you know, to have your perspective and opinion on what is happening. Now, you know, I have shared a little bit with the listeners about what we have seen over the past week or so happening in Myanmar. But maybe you can clarify a bit, you know, the situation we are seeing. Could you clarify exactly what's been going on over the past week? You know, what is a little bit troubling and, you know, what is the situation really telling us right now? Sure. Um, so Myanmar has uh, an election last November, and uh, uh, I should say right now it should be the previously ruling civil government, uh, the National League for Democracy. Uh, they won a landslide victory. Uh, over 80% of the voters uh, gave them another chance, which is a five-year term. Um, so uh, that clearly shows that they still have um, a lot of hopes for uh, Aung San Suu Kyi and uh, hoping that her government can continue to lead Myanmar uh, into a more democratic future. Mm. Uh, However, uh, things kind of um, started to get a little bit worrying over the last few months because the military government um, or the junta, uh, they were not happy with the election results. So they started questioning the authenticity of the elections. Uh, they started calling that, oh, there was election fraud. Uh, but when the Central uh, Election Committee of the Myanmar government asked them, okay, well, then show us some evidence of that. Uh, They couldn't really provide any, uh, Mm. but they continue with their rhetoric saying that, uh, you know, this is a rigged election um, and they threaten um, to kind of have a coup. uh, And I believe that uh, some of the embassies, some of the foreign governments were trying to um, warn them and say, you know, don't do this. But uh, lo and behold, on February 1st, um, when the new elected parliament was expected to start their first session. Um, The military government, they make the move. So they Mm. basically, you know, went inside the homes of uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, the president and a lot of the NLD leaders and took uh, control of them and basically kind of declare a coup. Um, Mm. And then the second day, they actually declare a state of emergency, saying that this of emergency will last for one year and their hope is that after one year um, they will have a quote-unquote new election Um, so that's 
kind of what's been going on and uh, it's been uh, about one week now and uh, starting from I would say three four days ago uh, the people of Myanmar uh, they started to actually take things to the streets so mm -hmm. uh, you are start uh, you start to see um, people you know gathering on the streets protesting this coup because they don't want to go back to um, kind of this authoritarian um, rule from the military junta for decades back mm. then. So I guess that's kind of a short summary. I don't mm. know if you have any other specific mm. questions. Thank you so much. Yeah, that is, is a really good summary for people, especially listeners who maybe haven't been following this news. But again, it is everywhere and we should be following it. And like you said, you know, tens of thousands of people have been protesting and taking to the street. Many saying, you know, this is a dictatorship. This is not what we want. You know, we have voted for the other party and they want that to be happening. And so we know that the people themselves are not happy with what is going on. We also know that the military in the past has resorted to violence, which is very worrying. You know, it feels a little bit like it's up in the air right now. What is going to happen? You know, people will still protest because their rights have been taken from them. So is this something that is worrying? You know, obviously a lot of leaders in the West and the UN specifically have been saying, yes, you know, this is a really tough and a really bad situation. They've been saying we should maybe sanction the country some more. But is this worrying to know that protesters might be clashing with the military at this stage? You know, is there only so much that the military is going to take from them? Is this something to be concerned about? Yeah, I mean, definitely, because um, I don't know if you are familiar with what was happening in Hong Kong and Thailand. Um, mm. uh, there are some similarities between all these protests. But uh, for me, the big contrast is that in Myanmar, you are fighting with the military. So they have tanks, they have all the weapons. Whereas in other, you know, in Thailand, in Hong Kong, yes, they, they do have um, some military might, but um, it's just to different extent. So um, that's also why I believe that when uh, Aung San Suu Kyi called for people to protest, mm. she said peacefully because she was afraid, um, or many people are afraid, I guess, in general, that once things start to escalate and uh, people start to get violent, or, uh, you know, if the military started to oppress them, you know, it, the the ratio of, you know, um, uh, I, I would just say it's very uh, disproportionate, right? Like yeah. you have tanks versus people that has have only guns and pens and knives or, you know, yeah. something that, you know, cannot compare to the scale of weapons owned by the military. So it's definitely concerning. But uh, I've also seen a lot of people come out and say, you know, even if I die, you know, I'm just trying to you know, uphold the democratic values we believe in. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I've talked to some uh, Burmese friends and uh, I feel that they really kind of are in this state of hope, um, like hopelessness because mm -hmm. they don't know what's going to happen and they are worried um, and especially um, for their loved ones that are, you know, actively protesting on the streets right now. And so far, uh, we've seen, you know, water cannon being deployed um, and a lot of police and maybe some arrests. 
But uh, I also read that the military government uh, seemed to threaten uh, the people that, you know, if you continue uh, to protest in this scale, you know, maybe the next step would be, you know, they will crack down with more might mm. uh, and maybe weapons. So, yeah, it's definitely concerning. And we all, all kind of are aware of what happened in the, you know, Saffron Revolution uh, back then. You know, a lot of people were killed and then we still don't know the actual number. So that's definitely concerning to us. Hmm. Exactly that. And it's it's really intense and sad in a way to hear, you know, with people don't have hope because exactly that, you know, Myanmar was just ruled by the military for so many years and decades. So if people don't have hope, that is really, really hard. And I think that that's really, really tough. And we see neighboring countries like China or India or Thailand are very reluctant at the stage to really get involved, you know, and to really say anything, you know, like some of them saying, well, this is just a cabinet reshuffle and oh, it's an internal reality. You know, they need to deal with this. You know, how, what does that really tell us about the pressure that's going to be put on what is happening in Myanmar now? Because if neighboring countries are saying, you know, we don't want to get involved, whatever, and the military has declared this year long state of emergency, this is possibly what could happen. Not so. It could just ride out for the next year because people don't want to get involved. Yeah, I think uh, there are two perspectives to this. Uh, I think first is that it's actually interesting to see, you know, what these countries' responses have been. Because, mm-hmm. uh, for example, for China, obviously, it's it's in a very awkward position because it actually works with the military in some uh, aspect uh, in Myanmar. You know, they definitely you know work on some of the projects um, and. Um, they also know that, um, like for China, they also know that, you know, uh, by the removal of Aung San Suu Kyi, the whole One Bell and Road initiative is mm. kind of being under threat right now because, uh, you know, they are now dealing with the military. So they have this love and hate relationship uh, right there. So that is also why I believe why they have to um, be very careful in their um, comments or statement mm. that, that they put out because they have to really walk a middle line because otherwise their interests uh, are at stake. Mm. Uh, And other countries such as uh, Thailand, uh, obviously they had their own problems. Uh, And, you know, we also knew that people of Thailand, the younger generation also staged protests earlier against um, the whole royal family. So Mm. they have their own issues. So they, they, I don't, believe that they will come out and really condemn uh, this whole coup uh, mm-hmm. and you know um, Cambodia or Laos um, you know these more communist slash authoritarian regimes uh, for them you know it really doesn't mean that much to them I guess uh, they mm-hmm. they uh, govern their countries in a similar way to the military junta. So, yeah, that's one perspective. But also, on the other hand, uh, it seems like uh, Indonesia is actually having a special session with Myanmar at ASEAN mm. uh, platform. And they said it's very rare for ASEAN countries to meet together to talk about these things because 
uh, ASEAN typically has this non-interference uh, policy uh, or yeah, just kind of unspoken rule that you just don't interfere each other country's affair. But uh, I, I don't know when exactly that's happening, but um, it seems like they do have this session. So um, some people are placing some hope on Indonesia to put pressure, but also I, I guess, again, we don't really know how much leverage Indonesia mm. has over Myanmar. Uh, so this brings me to my next point, which uh, Western pressure, I still believe that, you know, they can do something to um, pressurize the military government. And uh, even if they apply sanctions, and even if that means, you know, the economy might be greatly impact, uh, impacted in Myanmar, uh, I talked to my staff the other day and she, she was saying that, you know, um, yes, the economic sanctions are going to hurt our people, but I don't know which one is worse, you know, being governed by a military government mm -hmm. or these sanctions. You know, at this point, the sanctions are nothing compared to being ruled by the military government. So she basically was saying that, you know, bring it on, you know, they yeah. she believes that the sanctions uh, will be... Uh, scary in a way, you know, to military mm -hmm. government, because a lot of the uh, high leadership, uh, they have a lot of properties and things that could be at stake once the sanctions are placed. So mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's kind of, I guess, my perspective. Mm. Thank you so much, because that's such a noteworthy perspective of having all those different realities at stake and all the different countries' responses and what's happening. And yes, hopefully Indonesia will put some pressure on and hopefully other things will happen. But we're going to take a really, really quick break. And we don't want you to go anywhere because Gina is still going to be with me. We're still talking about what we've been seeing over the last week, week and a bit. And we don't want you to go anywhere. So enjoy some music and we'll see you after this. Welcome back to Voice of Change with myself, Lauren Jacobs. And I'm joined by ICC Regional Manager for Southeast Asia, Gina. And Gina's been talking about what's happening in Myanmar and what we've been seeing. And also, you know, some things that we need to consider. Now I'm going to slightly move the conversation over to talking about, you know, something that's probably very close to all of our hearts, and that is minority groups that are in Burma. And we know that there has been a lot of talk about what's happening or going to happen with minority groups, and particularly, you know, Burmese Christians who make up over 8% of the country, which is not that big, it's still a minority group. But again, it is still a few million people. And, you know, I want wanted to know, Gina, just in general, before this whole coup and everything that we saw now, what are Christians actually facing daily on a day-to-day, year-to-year basis in Myanmar? What, you know, is the daily life? Because as a minority group, we have seen situations in this particular country where minority groups are severely persecuted. We were seeing everything that was happening with Rohingya, the Rohingya Muslims. So what do Burmese Christians actually face on a day-to-day? -day? Is it something similar? Sure. Um, so for Christians in Myanmar, uh, we have to also see that there are two perspectives to it. One is that, you know, for being ethnic minority groups such as, you know, Kachin Chen, Rohingyas, and all these minority groups, uh, that's one um, challenge for them already because you know most people in Myanmar they are Burmans and 
if they are Burmans, which means that the majority of that follow Buddhism. Mm. And the other perspective is the Christian religion. Um, so a lot of the ethnic minority groups, uh, they are also adherent of Christian faith. So uh, you will have, you know, for example, Kachin Christian, Chin Christian, uh, Korean Christian, uh, and etc. And um, in Myanmar, things get complicated because a lot of these uh, ethnic minority groups have been fighting uh, for their own independence. So, mm. for example, the Kachin group, they have Kachin Independence Army that have been fighting with the Burmese army for mm. decades. And at this moment, they still are in an um, uh, ongoing kind of a mini civil war. Um, so, yeah, it, it really depends on, you know, what your ethnic background is uh, and you know what what your faith is so for example for Kachin Christian uh, a lot of the challenges they face uh, are for example because they already have this ongoing um, conflicts for so many years so they were uh, forced to flee their home so we have tens of thousands of uh, internally displaced uh, people we call them IDPs mm -hmm. so we still have uh, at least 100,000 of Kachin Christian because uh, they have over 90 percent of um, people following Christian faith uh, so they are still kind of dispersed uh, I mean mostly in Chin state or Kachin state mm -hmm. um, so many people they have not had a real home for decades, mm -hmm. and you know, they grew up in IDP camps. They they go to schools around IDP camps, and um, their situation is just very challenging. I've been to some of these camps, and you know, mm -hmm. it's just a, such a small space, cramped with you know many people, and you know, they 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 lack resources, and uh, a lot of the uh, parents they have to go find day jobs, and and then the women some have to. Um, cross borders into China to find job and sometimes mm. are really exploited. So I would say that's, uh, you know, uh, the challenge uh, faced by uh, Kachin Christians is, you know, just the daily struggles uh, to, you know, keep themselves alive and, mm. you know, feed themselves. Um, you know, whereas, you know, someone, let's say, in um, Rakhine State, uh, a Christian uh, that's in Rakhine State, they have similar problems too, but their quote unquote enemy uh, are two foes. Or one is from the Arakan army, uh, which is trying to uh, establish like a Buddhist uh, Buddhist state within mm -hmm. Rakhine State, uh, and they still, you know, they they will come to your village. They will quote unquote tax you, uh, ask you to give them some rice. Otherwise, they are going to, you know, abduct you or you know, give you troubles. Uh, mm -hmm. And then they also face the challenge of, you know, Burmese army because Burmese army is also typically aligned with uh, Buddhist faith, uh, especially the radical um, strains. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, they have two enemies that they have to face. Uh, and, and then sometimes surrounding uh, Rakhine um, people that also are mostly following uh, Buddhist faith. And then the radical ones, they sometimes will come and say like, oh, you cannot meet here, or just you know, give them troubles and block their roads. So it, it really, it's it's very complex in mm. Myanmar because um, it's not just as simple as in other country where like, oh, you you might only be targeted because 
that you are Christian, but yeah. there, you know, it's sometimes it's twofold or even threefold. It really depends on what type of situation is. Um, but for example, like in the bigger cities in Yangon, if you have Indian ethnic Indian Christian, um, they probably won't go for you. Uh, um, to give you troubles in the mm -hmm. same way as in Jin State and Rakhine State. However, they have something like the, the, the ID challenge, right? Uh, they have this uh, law banning like inter-faith uh, marriage. So if you're a Buddhist woman, you're not supposed to marry uh, a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, so let's say if an Indian Christian, ethnic Christian, wants to marry a Buddhist woman by any chance, you know, that's like legally banned so mm -hmm. they just have all sorts of problems facing them but it also really depends on your background so that's kind of that um yeah it's, it's hard to give yeah. a simple answer to all that but that that just shows the complexity of what myanmar uh, what christians in myanmar face Mm. So complex, like you said, just if you're a different, different ethnic background, different region, different place where you are, then there might be different realities facing you. And that's actually so complex. Normally, we just often think, OK, what's happening in this place? or What's happening in that place? You know, and we can say, OK, this is what Christians are facing. So like you're sharing with us, it's actually so complex. And I'm wondering, you know, now that we have this coup that has unfolded and, you know, the military saying that they want this year long state of emergency, basically, they're going to be the rulers. Is there going to be concerns for minority groups like Christians? Because obviously we have the Burmese army, as you said earlier on, and they have attacked Christians for many, many years. And there is this struggle. Would there be concerns that now minority groups are going to be even more targeted? Oh, certainly. Uh, I myself, I'm concerned for the ethnic Christians there because, um, like you said, you know, the Burmese army, the Tomadol, they have a bad track record of human rights abuses and religious freedom abuses. So, for example, in Kachin State, uh, you know, years ago, there was um, this one case where two um, girls who serve as volunteer teachers for the Kachim Baptist Convention, mm -hmm. uh, they were allegedly raped and gang mm -hmm. raped and killed by the Burmese army. But even until today, there there's no justice given to mm -hmm. them. Um, and also, uh, ICC helped with two pastors in um, Shan State, um, and they were basically reporting to, I believe it's routers, uh, that, oh, our church has been uh, bombed by the airplane by you know, Tamadol. And for this, they were, quote, unquote, accused for, you know, leaking national secrets and they were put in jail. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are also other cases where the Tamadol abducted uh, young Christian men and, you know, killed them or, um, yeah, just uh, rape uh, mm. Christian girls. So, um it's just very concerning because once they are back in the full picture of governing the whole country, it's hard to predict that, you know, what type of laws, what type of practices they are going to put in place. Mm -hmm. um, and they are known for, you know, closely aligned themselves with a Buddhist radical group in Myanmar, such as the Mabata. And even though Mabata was uh, recently disbanded, but maybe they will 
I guess, like resurrect the organization、mm-hmm. once they are back in power because they they are good allies together. So it it, it really is hard to predict、uh, what's going to happen, but、yeah. uh, we will. I, I guess we wouldn't be surprised if they start to take more measures against Christians. So yeah, that's something that's、uh, definitely concerning to all of us. Hmm. And Gina, I would love to know, you know, from your perspective, and particularly, I know the amazing work that ICC are doing in this area. And I would love to know, you know, just generally all around the world, you know, globally, Christians are concerned for those who are being persecuted. And when we see situations like this, we often ask ourselves, how can we respond? What should our response be? And I read something in the week last week that was saying that. You know, people in Burma were saying, "Please, please, 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 tell other people what is happening in our country. You know, share on social media what's happening to us, because the world sometimes doesn't see what's happening to us." And my question to you is, how can we respond? How should we, as Christians, faith communities, as individuals as well, how should we respond to what is happening now? I mean, obviously, that seems like quite a big question. But how? What should we be doing? Is it a matter of you know making people aware? Do we pray? How do we respond to this? Sure. Yeah, I think it's always a hard question, right? Like especially us、mm. uh, being outside. But、um, I definitely agree with you know what、uh, you saw that、uh, spreading awareness is one of the least things we can do right now because、mm. uh, we have to believe、uh, you know in the power of social media. I mean, it, it just. Passes、uh, disseminates the message a lot faster,、mm-hmm. um, and I think sometimes we see once it goes viral, then that's when you know governments, that's when people start to take actions. But a lot of times, unfortunately, especially during this time, you know, the pandemic sometimes takes the front,、uh, the headlines,、mm-hmm. and you know, people are concerned about. I mean, not to discount those, but、uh, sometimes it's easy for. Things like、uh, you know the coup in Myanmar to get bur- buried in、uh, this type of news wave. So、um, it's important, especially since that the Burmese government,、uh, the sorry, the、uh, military government、uh, tends to cut down internet uh, for them uh, or all the social media platforms. So、mm. you know whenever they were able to send out news, you know we should you know help them to. You know, spread or forward or retweet,、um, to just to let more people know what's happening and、mm. keep the conversation going. Because、uh, I can imagine, you know, what if people quote unquote lose interest after two、yeah. weeks? They are like, oh, you know, oh, it, it happened there. Oh, that's too bad. And、yeah. then you know, go on to go back to their own life. And you know, then you know, their their pain is still there. And the, the The challenge is not being solved. So,、uh, you know, spreading awareness is definitely a great things for them、um, mm-hmm. to have. And another thing is definitely as Christians, we need to pray、uh, and support them in prayers.、Uh, I know that、uh, even myself, I admit that you know when I talk to a great、uh, friend of mine who's Christian and who's、uh, Kachin, and she was just telling me that I feel hopeless. You know,、mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking. When you hear Christians said that words, because we know that our hope is in Jesus, but I, I don't blame her for feeling,、yeah. you know, hopeless、uh, and seeing all the situations. So you know what I could only do and say I will continue to pray for you. I think even、mm-hmm. that one line has power in itself because they know that they are not alone. 
but they are not fighting this fight by themselves. You know, there are Christians all around the world rallying behind them. Um, and last but not least, I think, you know, if there are a way for you in your current country to, you know, pressure your government uh, or, you know, write to the Burmese embassy uh, or just, you know, your uh, parliament, um, just kind of show that you are really concerned for the situation in Myanmar. Uh, I think that's also another way to put mm -hmm. added pressure um, so that we can create more international pressure for Burmese um, military. Uh, I mean, we don't know uh, for sure whether or not this coup can be quote unquote retracted uh, mm -hmm. or what they're going to do. But uh, I think if we don't do anything, then how, how will we know? So yeah, uh, yeah I think these are some of the suggestions I have for our Christian brothers and sisters out there. Hmm. Thank you so much for sharing these and I'm going to reshare them at the end of the show again. And Gina, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today because this has been such an informative conversation. Thank you for providing us with so much insight that you have as well and for everything that's happening on the ground right now that we see, but also what's affecting Christians, what's affecting minority groups and what we can actually really do, you know, as outsiders outside of the country there are things that we can do and thank you for sharing with us about people that are feeling hopeless as well because this is an area where we can really pray and i really encourage the listeners to do that so gina thank you so much i wish you all the best thank you for all the amazing work that you're doing at icc and for the work that icc is doing themselves so thank you for being with me and i pray god's blessings over you and i really do pray that things will sort itself out in this country that God will really do something. But again, thank you for being with me on Voice of Change today. Amen. Thank you so much, Lauren, for having me. Thank you for this opportunity. And, you know, if you do have Burmese Christians listening, uh, you know, know that, you know, we as Christian family out there, we are praying for you and, you know, stay strong and stay hopeful. Hmm. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Gina. Take care. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Wow, there is so much and so, so much that Gina shared with us that we can really take from and have a little bit of an insight into this. Sometimes we can just see news articles from where we are, but then when we hear from someone who knows what's happening in that area, has been in these areas, has visited the camps where the Christians are living as displaced people who also have friends in Burma and staff in Burma, you know, then we get a fuller picture of what is happening. A very complex situation there, but again, just a situation that merits our concern and that really, really does merit us thinking you know how can I pray how can I continue sharing we know that Burma has been des designated for many many years as a country of particular concern and that designation has actually brought it into the forefront of being a country that is concerned that the West has concerns about when it comes to religious minorities religious minorities in Myanmar have not been well treated over decades and years. And so again, I want to just echo what Gina was sharing, and that is that we need to pray. And honestly, we really do need to pray for the situation, pray for our family members that we will never see. These are spiritual family of ours that are feeling hopeless. And just that we can think into our own minds, how would we feel if that was me? And so let us pray uh, for them, you know, and about this situation. Reshare good information about what is happening. Don't just reshare anything, but reshare things that the people of Burma themselves are actually posting. I had a look 
when the coup broke out over the first two days i had a look on social media under hashtags like pray for myanmar just to see what people were sharing and a lot of people were brokenheartedly sharing on social media and saying please pray for us please please don't forget us and we need to send that message that we are not forgetting about people and also then if we can put pressure where pressure is due remember what gina shared she said you know we can kind of keep moving on with our lives and get focused on ourselves but their pain is still there and their pain is still very real and so don't forget to pray for Myanmar even if you know you have a prayer meeting sometimes I know wonderful faith communities like yours is having prayer meetings and vision meetings pray for the international concerns of our Christian family may we not forget them and so it's been good to be with you this week it's been so so wonderful next week on the show I'm so excited to be joined by Rachel Bentley the CEO of an organization called Children on the Edge who are serving marginalized children around the world and it's going to be an incredible show as we focus on Uganda what is really happening there children that are marginalized living in slum areas that are susceptible to ritual sacrifices it's a real thing and Rachel's going to be really laying this out for us and sharing with us what's happening and also the hope that is coming out from Uganda with different organizations and things happening on the ground so you'll want to be with me next week Thursday on Voice of Change until then take care this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za